Good morning and welcome to the Monday edition of Bobcat Radio where we talk all things sports related when it comes to Texas State and San Marcos High School Athletics. For those of you joining for the first time, welcome. And those listening again, welcome again. I'm your host, Connor McKinnon, joined by my co-host, Riley Lowe, and my producer slash radio personality, Jude McLaren. And by the way, if those out there have any questions or comments, feel free to call the studio at 512-245-3473. Again, that's 512-245-3473, Fire. And also make sure to follow KSW Sports on Twitter and Instagram at KSW Sports. Before we continue, our producer, Jude McLaren, has a word from our sponsor. Twin Peaks Restaurant and Sports Bar is a sponsor of the broadcast of Bobcat Radio. Located on the northbound frontage road of I-35 at Guadalupe Street in San Marcos, Twin Peaks has bites, wings, burgers, sandwiches, and more. Info and menu at TwinPeaksRestaurant.com. Twin Peaks. Eats. Drinks. Scenic views. That was some smooth radio talk from Jude McLaren, our producer. Thank you so much, Jude. And right, we're going to get right into it. Texas State football, the fright still continues as they drop their fifth straight game against Louisiana Raging Cages on Halloween night, 44-34. to The Cats led 21-14 to in the second quarter before Louisiana tied the game at 21-21 all. And then it was all Raging Cajuns from there. Two touchdowns from the Cajuns put the game out of reach, and the Bobcats would not get any closer than 10 points the rest of the way. The Bobcats moved to 1-7 this season and have yet to win a home game this season as well. It's hard to find positives because a loss is a loss, but what are your thoughts on the game, Riley? Um, you're right, Connor. It is kind of hard to find positives, but compared to the last several weeks, this team specifically on the offense was able to score in all four quarters. Some in the last games, they've had put up zero points in some of those. Basically, their points were evenly spread out throughout the whole game, which fans haven't seen in the past several games. They were either able to see that in the first half or the second half, and their defense did not did come up out unable to stop Louisiana in the first half but whatever Spavadol said to them during the halftime must have helped them out as they were able to prevent Louisiana from scoring more than a field goal in the third quarter to be honest I'm kind of surprised that the score was this close Louisiana is a very well-rounded team they can do the run and passing game while the Bobcats are still trying to figure that out in this game fans saw that the Bobcats rushed for 239 yards while Louisiana was able to do about the same amount at 287 yards what Louisiana did better though was put them on top was to add the passing element that the Bobcats tried to incorporate in this game but were unsuccessful especially since McBride was sacked three times through three interceptions and I did say last week that the only way Texas State football was possibly going to win was to not have as many interceptions and yeah those takeaways might have been the big number that I feel like everybody looks at whenever it comes to this game and that was one of the things going into the week that even um, I believe it was the San Marcos Daily Record wrote about when they talked to Spavadol about how Brady specifically needs to work on trying to not do too much because it's yeah. like in the BYU game in the first play you see him make this amazing throw that's almost like Johnny Manziel like to Marcel Barbie to come out and score take the lead at the beginning of the game and then it, later in the game, you just see him trying to make another play, and it's right into the defender's hands for a pick six. And he even mentioned that on Bobcat Radio last Friday. So here's the thing. I think just one thing that I think we need to remind all of our listeners about Texas State football this year, that yes, it doesn't really look that great right now, and they're trying to build a culture, and it seems like there's even been a little bit of a regression whenever it comes to the record this year. But at the same time, that was the closest that they've played Louisiana during their time in the Sun Belt in a while. And then on top of that, 
They scored more points on this Louisiana defense than Coastal Carolina did. Coastal Carolina is currently the 15th ranked team in the country and one of the only seven undefeated teams in the country as well, right? We saw Coastal Carolina beat the crap out of a really good Georgia State team this weekend, 51 to 0. So, yes, it doesn't look that good whenever you look at a 1 and 7 record. But playing Louisiana, a team with only one loss off an 11-win season, with a coach who was mentored by Nick Saban, you got to be pretty happy with at least playing them close in that. But at the end of the day, really you can't be satisfied until you get the W. So I can understand both sides here, but there are some positives. And also, excuse me, for the first time this year, a Texas State player has gotten a Sunbelt of the Week Player of the Week award. Seth Keller got Sunbelt Player of the Week on special teams. He had that fake uh, kick where he went and scored for a touchdown, and I did not know Seth Keller was that fast, let me tell you. Yeah, I thought Drew was going to tear up there for a second. It's all right, buddy. It's all right. They, they finally got they got some going for them. They got some momentum going. I'm so going. sad. <laughs> no, but I think what's concerning, like the final point before we move on to the next topic, is that Coach Spavell during the postgame conference, I'm paraphrasing when he said this, he said he's just wondering from a coaching standpoint, could I have done better? Could I put Brady McBride in better situations football-wise? And that's a little bit concerning because you think you'd be able to work those kinks out maybe in the first couple games and maybe figure that out first two games, three games in the season, maybe not so much in the latter half of the season I get with 2020 and Brady McBride being out because of COVID concerns. So that's also going to throw out the rhythm a little bit. But hopefully Coach Spavell and Brady McBride can get together and figure out what they can do successfully because there's moments like you mentioned Jude that they've done really well but just hasn't been enough and again Tech State football has their next game coming this week on Saturday November 7th against Appalachian State the game will be broadcast on KSW 899 at 2 p.m. stay tuned for more deals more details and updates on that and And just one more 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 thing Connor before we go into this next segment here is that I think there's only so much sometimes that Spavadol can do. Like, you can preach discipline and practice. You can preach, don't make these mistakes, don't try to do that. But when it comes to Brady McBride, I mean, he came from Memphis, he's a Texas kid, and he just feels like he's a playmaker, and he feels like he can make every play. So sometimes he's just going to continue to make those throws, and that's what we've been seeing throughout the season. So hopefully this Saturday maybe reined him back in a little bit and realized, hey, if I don't give up those three turnovers, maybe we score three touchdowns and win that football game. We will have to wait and see as, again, Tech State be facing off against Appalachian State, and that is going to be no cakewalk indeed. But what has been a cakewalk has been Texas State Volleyball, the number 13th-ranked team in the country, also known as Bobcat Volleyball Team, was on the road against UT Arlington, and it almost seems business as usual, sweeping the Mavericks in the season series and sets. In the first game, Jillian Slaughter and Candy Rutherford led the team in kills. Emily DeWalt turned in her 11th double-double of the season. And Tyranny's great Scott led the team with four blocks. And in the second game of the two-game series, Scott had 13 kills. Janelle Fisher had 11 kills and a career-high six blocks. DeWalt finished with 35 assists and eight digs. And Brooke Johnson, familiar face, Brooke the Rock Johnson, led the team with two aces and ten digs. Riley, this team is going on a run. They've won their last 13 games, and they virtually seem impossible to stop right now. I totally agree with you, Connor. Every time I check to see if they've won or (laughs) what they've done, it just amazes me that they're continuing this streak, and it's kind of scaring me that maybe this streak is going to come to an end sometime soon. I'm hoping it's not, of course. You're jinxing us already. I I know. (laughs) I'm sorry. You're jinxing the volleyball team already. 
Positive vibes. I, positive I know. Vibes. Positive vibes. I just am. So, I'm just anxious about that. But this team is so well-rounded. The Bobcats don't only have the upperclassmen contributing to these wins, but also the freshmen who are coming into a set and helping this team in any way they need. Also, the Texas State Volleyball team has some girls step up this year, which we saw a glimpse of last year in Lauren Teske and Kennedy Rutherford, just to name some. Another thing is that this team was able to take a pause for two weeks due to COVID and a hurricane, which you would think would stop their momentum, and they just kept going. Um, it was just the complete opposite um, for the Bobcats, and they swept Louisiana, who was ranked number 15 at the time in their own court. There are so many things going right for this volleyball team, and I'm just really excited to see them in the rest of the season and hopefully in conference tournament who where they try to make another three-peat. And just to give some people some perspective, they've been on a 13-game winning streak, and they've only dropped four sets. Four Four sets by the way, just like four sets in 13 games. That's almost inconceivable. And that was against, they beat Louisiana, as I mentioned. That was the then 15th ranked team in the country. And that was the only dropped two sets to them in that three-game series. So it's something to look out for. And they go on the road again this weekend against Arkansas State in a three-game series, another Sun Belt rival. All three games will be on ESPN+, and the first game starts at 11 a.m. on November 6th, so stay tuned on Twitter and Instagram for more details and updates. On the other end of this break, we're going to have a special guest join us. So Coach Marissa Mendoza of the San Marcos High School, who coaches field and track, junior varsity volleyball, and is also an assistant coach for the volleyball team as well. We'll get you back, and we'll be back soon on KTSW 89.9. This is Chris Summer from KRLD Radio in Dallas-Fort Worth. You're listening to Bobcat Radio. Welcome back to Bobcat Radio as we are joined by Coach Marissa Mendoza from San Marcos High School, who is the head coach for track and field and junior varsity volleyball coach as well, and is also helps with the varsity team for volleyball as well. It's great to see you, Coach, and thank you for joining the show today. Thank you for having me. And I kind of want to talk about the five-set win against Hayes last week. That team, after that win, won the next games against Atkins, Bowie, and Del Valle. And during the two-week layoff, the focus for this team was to watch tape how much did that time off and watching film help this team on this current win streak? I think it was huge. Um, you know, people I believe might have doubted us taking those two weeks off, coming back and playing big match against Bowie and Hayes. Um, I believe the girls did what they needed to watch by watching film, preparing mentally. Um, and I think they were just hungry most of all to come back and play. Um, going from working out all summer you know, and not taking two weeks off the whole time to taking two weeks off in the middle of district and at a very, ooh, sorry, at a very crucial time, um, I believe they were just hungry. They wanted it, you know. So I think they were really prepared and shocked a lot of people with it. And and now that you've talked about the tape watching, also if you look at the district standings right now in the 6A region for district 26 standings, the team is currently second. (laughs) <laughs> which is uh, which is incredible. And as you look at last year and look where you are now, how incredible has this transformation been for the San Marcos High School volleyball as, as a whole? It's It's been awesome to watch. Um, these girls, I believe they deserve it. You know, Coach Teo coming in, um, a new coach coming in, and these girls being able to trust him, it's – they re- they've really bought in. Like I told you, you know, a couple interview. well, last interview that we had, um, they've bought in, they're invested, they're hungry again. Um, 
And I mean, it's been amazing to watch. I've, I believe they've been able to do it. Um, they finally got that self-confidence that they can do it and we're getting it done. Yeah. And much deserved for them. Yeah, of course. And speaking of coach Teo, he said that one component to winning is believing you can beat teams in this district. I remember he said when the team beat Bowie in late September, that that's kind of where they started that they can compete against anyone. And from a coaching standpoint, was there a moment, was it that game? Was it something in practice that kind of created the shift into realizing that we can compete against anyone? I think it's started ever since the beginning, during summer, I believe they started believing in themselves that they can do it. But then that reassurance when we did come out and beat Bowie um, gave them that extra little more self-esteem, more confidence that they can do it. And that was a huge win for us. I mean, everyone's going to be a huge win. Um, So it was, I mean, yeah, (laughs) it was big. (laughs) It's big. It's been amazing to see these girls you know, the transformation from the past couple of years that I've been there to this year. And it's, it's incredible to watch the change, the process that, that they're going through. Yeah. And you were listening to Bob K. Ray on KSWA99. And I'm currently joined by Coach Marissa Mendoza from San Marcos High School. And as you mentioned, Coach, you talked about some of the players on the team. And of course, one of the most notable names on this team has been Maggie Wall. She's been absolutely crucial to the squad. And you can see on her on the court, her presence and leadership. Uh, can you kind of talk about how valuable her addition has been to this team on and off the court? Um, having Maggie join us, um, the girls seen a, an athlete like her come in and it's those, those girls were just pumped the first time we stepped onto the court and they saw her hitting that ball, passing that ball. Um, you just see the girl's face. It was just like, whoa, you know, she's here. She's with us now. Um, and she's she's really stepped up on that leadership role as well. You know, being a move-in, coming in your junior year to a different high school, it's that's got to be tough for a kid. And coming into a new team where, you know, it's been established, their friendships and stuff, she just fit right in, like if she's been here all along since her freshman year. Um, taking that leadership role, the girls look up to her. Um, she gets the feedback from the girls, you know, they're, it's that sisterhood that she automatically just got with them. And it's been, it's been awesome to watch. Um, it's like if they've never skipped a beat, you know, with her coming in, she's never skipped a beat. It's like, if she's been with them forever. I think, and also too, with her leadership, she's been around a a family that's been athletes, her father being the coach of the San Marcos high school football team and her brother playing Mm -hmm. at a collegiate level. Do you think uh, from talking with Coach Walsh and even seeing, like, working with Maggie, do you kind of see how some of the similar traits of Coach Walsh's leadership kind of plays into how Maggie's a leader? Definitely. Definitely, yeah. Um, hereditary, I guess. <laughs> Not really, If it could be hereditary. Um, I mean, I guess I'm kind of similar. I, my father didn't coach, but I have my brothers and, you know, all my family that's coached. And it's, you just pick up on all those different leadership roles from family members. And I do definitely think she's gotten some of those from her family, her brother and her dad and sister as well. And as we kind of talk about more players on this team, Ruby Gordon's been a name where she's just been so huge to orchestrate this offense. She always seems like, oh, she gets like 30 assists a night easily. And I wonder if you could kind of talk about her, what she's kind of done to get to this point where she's just been so consistent night in, night out. Yeah, um, I had Ruby, fortunately, very, you know, last year on my JV team. So 
she came in as a freshman on that JV team and she had to fill in a role and played higher. Um, this year, you know, she's also, she's fit in. Um, she was ready. I talked to her over the summer and said, Hey, this might be your spot. You know, are you ready? Are you willing to work? Put in that extra effort that you need that extra, you know, go that extra little mile that no one else is taking to get that role. And she was, yes, what do I got to do? You know, she was ready for it. Um, it's been, you know, being a sophomore on a varsity team with a lot of pressure on her. And I've told her before, it's like, you're the quarterback, you touch every ball, you know, it's got to come to you. you got to step up, you know, you got to be vocal and she's, she's coachable. I believe, um, she's been doing great, really impressive. You know, running a 5-1, I believe Coach Dale was saying that's only other one other school that's doing a 5-1 where it's just one setter. And to be a sophomore, you know, there's always room for improvement. And she's got, we still, she's got a lot of improvement she needs to do as well. But from what she's doing right now, she's, it's, it's incredible for her as a sophomore to be coming in and taking her team, helping her team go to that spot that we're in right now. And as you mentioned, you're the head coach of the JV team for the Rattler Volleyball Program. Mm -hmm. And you have an important job developing this young talent for this program. And maybe can you mention some names from JV that have made a name for themselves this season or maybe some prospects to look out for in the future? Yeah, we have. I mean, we have several. A lot of our girls, you know, mm -hmm. they're I tell them every day you're stepping onto that court and everything you do. It's to help prepare you for that varsity level. Um, we do have one player who started off as a setter and would set for us in the back row and then hit for us in the front row, Calista Castro. Um, then she was out for a head injury, a little slight concussion. So she came um, we brought, brought up a freshman, um, Sofia Campos. So Calista's now able to pass, which is her specialty. She likes to pass. So she's in the back row passing and hitting for us in the front row. So I think she'll be, she'll be great um, next year. We have seven seniors that are leaving. So there's a lot of spots for our JV team to fill up. So Calissa's one. We got some hitters, Liz. Um, I mean, Nayeli, they're all doing great. You know, there's just so many of them. Can't really, you know, we'll just have to see what the progress that they're going to, how much they're going to improve with having Coach Taylor there all spring semester to help them get to where they need to be. And not only are you the head coach of a JV team, you're also the head coach of track and field. And, I know track and field season kind of starts in spring and can you maybe talk about just how that's going and the training for that and talk about maybe some of the current and new prospects that are joining this team this season. Yeah. Well, it's kind of tough right now with COVID, you yeah. know, not having all our kids there and with track. Um, I, we do have, haven't been able really to practice much other than with just a couple of girls here and there. Um, we do have a eighth grader, a freshman, sorry. She was an eighth grader last year. She ran a 12.72 at a middle school at the hundred. Yeah. So wow. Michaela, <laughs> Nevada, she's going to, she's going to be huge. She has some goals. She wanted to break some, um, records at good night, but unfortunately that got cut short. So she's so, so driven. Um, she come in in the morning, you know, and work out with me in the morning to lift and then we'll run in the afternoon. So She's told me her goals and what she wants. So my job is to help her get her there. Um, Layla Diaz is also one of our runners. Um, we have Faith Phillips, who's also in basketball. So fortunately, can't really work with them till their seasons are done. Um, but Samantha Sosa, another freshman coming in, was right there neck and neck with Michaela as well. So 
it's going to be a good squad. Um, just need to get to season and start, you know, working with them. And I know it was rumored earlier this season that potentially Maggie Walsh would be joining the track and field. Is that still the case or is it kind of still up there? Um, as far as what she's told me, she's going to try it out. Okay. She likes it. She's going to stick with it. She doesn't like it. She's going <laughs> to, and I totally understand volleyball yeah. is her theme. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've told all the girls, you know, anyone that plays, you know, club volleyball or select, you know, I'm going to work with your schedule. If you have to go to a tournament or you have to go to practice, I'm going to work with you and we'll, we'll train at different times so you can get both trainings in that you need. So from what I've heard, yes, she's still in it. Um, but we'll see. And lastly, before I let you go, uh, coach Teo posted on Twitter, uh, doing a press impersonation of coach Walsh, uh, <laughs> saying rattler up, uh, in your opinion, how good was it out of one out of 10? What would you rate it? Um, <laughs> I'll give him a seven. He's got okay. some improvement. He's almost okay. there. He's almost okay. there. Seven. I thought you were going to ask me to do it. I was going to say no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't put I you on the spot. I like can't do it like them. <laughs> well, uh, coach, thank you so much for joining this episode of Bobcat Radio. Always appreciate it and best of luck for the rest of the season. Looking forward to it. And that was Coach Marissa Mendoza of the San Marcos High School volleyball team, coaching JV and assistant coach of the varsity team as well. Appreciate her coming on to the show. And again, the Rattlers have a bit of a tough matchup these this week, especially, is that tomorrow at 6.30 p.m., they'll be facing at Austin away. And then later in the week, Friday, November 6th, Lake Travis is coming into town, into gym for San Marcos at home. That game will be at 6.30 p.m., and then they face Westlake and Lake Travis on Saturday. So that is a tough schedule and a very tough division. So stay tuned for more details and updates at KSW Sports on Twitter and Instagram. Now, still keeping it San Marcos High School related, we're going to kick it to Jude to talk about some more announcements when it comes to the basketball team. Well, I mean, (laughs) this is just, this is something that, I think we're we've seen results with this volleyball team year yeah. one, like immediate yeah. results. Oh yeah. And we've seen some tough games for the football team and just, you know, still trying to learn and grow with that sophomore team. Another thing about last Friday's game is John Vega was out for that game and a lot of times um, there was only so much that X Harris could do at that corner position. He was matched up against Nick Anderson. He was about a six one receiver out there for the Austin High Maroons and X Harris for reference is about Five seven, five eight. So sometimes, even if he jumps as high as he can, doing his best on defense, you know, there's only so much you can do. And also, when you get shoved to the ground and then there's no PI call, that kind of hurts too. But um, <laughs> I'll leave that at that. Oh, okay. Um, a little bit of a but, dig in there, huh? But 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 more moreover, you know, there's this acronym that Coach Pinchback and Coach Snap <sighs> use. You see a lot of I hashtag damn. I didn't realize this until like the other day when we were tweeting about them on the the KTSW sports account. I was like, oh, yeah, that stands for building a monster. And this is really that second year where you're going to see this this team take off. I feel like last year we saw them so competitive in one of the toughest districts in the state whenever it comes to basketball. Yes, they're still in a tough district in the state this year. But I think all over the summer, the one the biggest blessing, if you will, that this basketball team has had is the fact that. Throughout all the craziness of COVID, they were still able to play basketball against tough, top competi- top competition. That's what guys like Malik Presley 
and Caden Gums were playing against over the summer. And we've seen so much progression from both of those guys. There's a reason that Malik Presley is the fifth-rated player in Texas in the class of 2023. And by his senior year, he may not be number five. He might be higher up. And I'm sure that, I mean, Caden Gums is, is going to be ranked at some point whenever it comes to those recruiting rankings as well. Coach Knapp and Coach Pinch believe that he's the most underrated point guard in the country. And with the talent that those two guys have, I mean, and you talk mainly about those two guys, but I think the biggest thing is they went undefeated in fall league and they played a lot of teams that are in their district. So they played Bowie, for example, Bowie last year, 25 and nine tied for second in the district behind Westlake. And I forget who the other team is escaping me right now, but still 25 and nine record tied for second in the district. And they beat that team right then and there. That puts you only behind Westlake, who went undefeated and has a couple recruits, also Jaden Greathouse. He's a small forward for them and is also a top receiver on the football team as well. But the thing is, is you're not even going to see this basketball team's potential until probably around December because John Vega and Isaiah DeLeon are still going to finish out the football season. Yeah, mm-hmm. And so then you're going to have your starting lineup of Isaiah DeLeon, Malik Presley. Those are going to be your two bigs. Then you've got Caden Gums at point guard, Caleb Williams out there at shooting guard, who has just been shooting lights out whenever it's come to fall league. He is really like, we knew he had a good jumper and he had great form, but now it's been falling all throughout fall league and the summer in AAU. And you don't even mention John Vega, who Coach Knapp describes as one of the most athletic kids that he's ever coached. And he shot up to about like 6'2", and it's just going to be a great player at the three who can do it all. So that's your starting lineup. That's kind of your little breakdown of them. And it's year two. And I really think that you're going to see a lot of success with this Rattler basketball team in district play. And they have one of the toughest non-district schedules. But Coach Pinch says that's what the kids wanted. That's what he wants. And that's only going to make them better whenever they go into district play and then when they get into the playoffs. That was quite the that was quite the mouthful there, Drew. That was a lot. Don't they have a game coming up really soon too? They do have a Saturday game. Their first game is this Saturday down in Laredo against Laredo United. Laredo United won their region last year, so that's a tough team. They're going to travel down there, and that's one of the things that Coach Pinch said. Is he said, "Hey, we'll go all the way down to Laredo to play the best of the best. Well, you can come to us. We'll come to you. We'll play anytime, anywhere." Also, can't forget about Caleb Williams. That guy. Last mentioned year. him. Hey, and he's the junior class president too. What? He's a junior class Ooh, president. Yes, Shout yes, out to him. yeah. He was actually he posted about it yesterday that um he was you know with the whole Stuco they were getting all the signs ready for this Saturday's game against Del Valley for football. But yeah, so shout out to him. He's a leader on and off the court. Awesome. I guess last thing, man, we're really got to wrap this up. But we talked about some national talk really quick. I, I know Jude, you mentioned during the interview that maybe we should talk about some Tua. Some to a tongue of Iloa. Tongue of Iloa. Tongue of Iloa. That's a tongue twister. I gotta say, yeah. I, I'm, I'm like 50 50 on if I'm gonna pronounce it right every to single time. To a tongue of Iloa. Tongue of Iloa. He, he has no. a brother at place too. I yes, saw Yes, that's Talia, yeah. tongue of Iloa. Yeah. Both of the, the, the tongue of Iloas had a big, big week this week. Minnesota last year, who was 9 0, uh, beat Penn State, was one of the best teams in the Big Ten. Talia, tongue of Iloa, beat them 45 to 44. In his first win as a starter in Maryland through six touchdowns, but to a tongue of Iloa, you know, there was a lot of criticism maybe by Dolphins fans on Brian Flores for not starting Ryan Fitzpatrick. But man, 
Tua beat a really good Los Angeles Rams team and dominated for the game. 28-17 to was the final score. It was 28-10 to going in at halftime, and he just did a phenomenal job. And he threw some touchdowns to Devontae Parker, which helped out my fantasy team. Yeah, really quickly before we go on to weather, the thing that they – Dolphins did was really smart, especially from Brian Flores, was not asking him to do too much. He only completed 12 passes, 93 yards, and a touchdown, and they won comfortably against the Rams. And you don't want to ask too much from your quarterback. There's going to be games where you're going to need 300 yards, three touchdowns, but they're kind of easing him in. So you got to appreciate the Dolphins are being smart about his transition into the NFL game. Now, time for the weather. It's time for your KTSW weather report. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, it's currently 72 right now. We'll get a high of about 75 today. And then you look at Tuesday, it'll be a high of 81 and a low of 48. Wednesday, high of 79, a low of 54. Thursday, you have a high of 79 and a low of 54. And then Thursday, it's going to be partially cloudy. And we're going to include it with Friday, it'll be a high of 79 and a low of 55. So pretty easy going for the weather today. And that is going to wrap up the show like a nice Christmas present, even though... It's still Thanksgiving, people. Don't go to Christmas quite yet. It's get through Thanksgiving, then let's go to Christmas. No, thank you. Thank no, you. Just saying. No. Just saying. I'm just no. saying. Okay. <laughs> All right. Before we go, shout out to my co-host, Riley Lowe, and my trusty producer, Drew McLaren, for joining this edition of Bobcat Radio. Don't forget to tune in to the upcoming Wednesday and Friday editions of Bobcat Radio at 11 a.m. on KTSW 89.9. Make sure to follow at KSW Sports on Twitter and Instagram for more content coming your way soon. Now let's get you back to the other side of radio.